Welcome to the Cancer Care Connect Workshop. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. During the workshop, you'll hear from a panel of expert speakers. We'll allow time for questions and comments following the presentation. Instructions will be given at that time. If anyone should require assistance during the workshop, please press star, then zero on your touchstone telephone. As a reminder, this workshop is being recorded. I would now like to introduce your moderator for today's workshop, Dr. Carolyn Messner, Director of Education and Training and Cancer Care. Please go ahead. Oh, thank you so much, Norma. And I, too, would like to welcome everyone to today's program, Adjusting to Your Blood Cancer Treatment Over Time, Challenges and Opportunities of Taking Your Treatment on Schedule. And today's program is a collaborative effort between Cancer Care and many other cancer organizations. And it really is because of that collaboration that we've been able to reach so many of you on the call today. So we have over 211 participants on the call today. And you come from all of the United States, from both urban, rural, and suburban areas. And we also have international participants from Canada, Germany, India, Oman, Saudi Arabia, and the United Kingdom. So it's a bit of a global call as well, and we're delighted to have all of you on the call. Um, and today's uh, program is supported by Pharmacetrix LLC and AbbVie Company and Janssen Biotech, Inc., um, administered by Janssen Scientific Affairs LLC, and we thank them for their support of the program today. Now, before we introduce our first speaker, um, I'm going to ask you just a few questions, um, the, and we would like you to um, do the best you can in answering these questions. Um, and um, uh, I'm going to start with the first question, um, and it really helps us in planning future programs. So the first question is, on a scale of 1 to 5, with 1 the highest rating and 5 the lowest rating, please select your rating. I understand how to work with my healthcare team to overcome blood cancer treatment side effects in the context of COVID-19. And again, 1 is the highest rating and 5 the lowest rating. And the second question is, I understand the importance of taking blood cancer treatments on schedule. Again, one is the highest rating and five the lowest rating. And the next question is, I know the challenges of taking blood cancer treatments on schedule. Again, one is the highest rating and five the lowest rating. And the next question is, I know practical tips to overcome the challenges of taking blood cancer treatments on schedule. Again, one is the highest rating and five the lowest rating. And the last question is, I know resource reminders to take blood cancer treatments on schedule. Again, one is the highest rating and five the lowest rating. So 
So I want to thank you all for participating in this uh, in these questions. It really helps us to understand what you know about these um, topics coming into the program. So thank you so much. It'll make uh, help us to plan better programs going forward. And now it's about such as is our first speaker, and our first speaker is Dr. William Bensinger. Dr. Bensinger is with the Center for Blood Disorders and Stem Cell Transplantation. SCI's Personalized Medicine Program, Myeloma and Transplant Program, Swedish Cancer Institute. And Dr. Bensinger will be addressing an overview of blood cancer treatments in the context of COVID-19, understanding treatment side effects in the context of COVID-19, working with the healthcare team to manage each treatment side effect in the context of COVID-19, dealing with blood cancer treatments and comorbid health issues, the importance of taking your blood cancer treatments on schedule, or, the, or adherence is a term that we often use. And lastly, adjusting, your blood cancer, adjusting to your blood cancer treatment over time. It's my great pleasure now to turn this program over to my esteemed colleague, Dr. Bensinger. Thank you, Carolyn. It's really a pleasure to be here and uh, to speak on this uh, important topic. So um, in terms of blood cancers, uh, blood cancers encompass a wide variety of cancers that can be uh, categorized into three different areas. There's leukemias, uh, lymphomas, and plasma cell disorder. And there are roughly 180,000 new cases diagnosed of these in the U.S. Most of these are lymphomas, of which there are more than two dozen subcategorizations. Uh, with the remainder being leukemia, about a third of all the, uh, the new cases, and the remainder, a smaller amount, are the plasma cell disorders, which include multiple myeloma. Now, the treatment for this, these disorders vary greatly according to the type of uh, blood cancer and the subcategory of it. And these could range from cytotoxic chemotherapy, the traditional ones that cause uh, uh, cytopenias or low blood counts and other types of uh, side effects such as nausea, more targeted therapies that are designed to uh, exploit a particular pathway that the type of cancer cell can use, and then more recently the immunotherapies, which are sort of the new types of treatments that exploit the body's immune system and either uh, encourage your own immunity to attack the cancer or manipulate your immune system in such a way such as taking the, the certain immune cells out of your body and manipulating them. These are referred to as CAR T cells. So the therapies vary greatly. And so according to the type of treatment, these can cause low blood counts or fatigue, fevers, bleeding, nerve damage, uh, liver damage or hair loss. Uh, and these are impacted by underlying medical conditions, heart problems, lung problems, or kidney problems. Now, in terms of COVID-19, just a reminder, this is a new type of virus. Uh, it's a category of virus called the coronavirus, but COVID-19 is a new one that at least uh, uh, until last uh, December 2019, had never been seen before in humans. And because it was a new virus, it ended up being highly, highly transmissible and uh, 
could and caused this worldwide pandemic that has resulted now in uh, a large number of deaths related to complications. But coronaviruses are also include common colds. They can also include some of the more serious respiratory viruses, such as SARS. Now, in terms of uh, getting the virus and the concern about that, having cancer does increase your risk of severe illnesses from uh, COVID-19. And, but it's, it's true that other factors can play into this. If you have underlying kidney disease, heart or lung conditions, patients that are obese or patients that smoke or have diabetes, all are at increased risk of complications from the COVID virus. Now, the side effects of the virus, if you should get it, unfortunately overlap greatly with many of the side effects of, of treatment. The common side effects of getting COVID-19 may be fever or chills, a cough, shortness of breath, fatigue, muscle or body aches, headache, uh, loss of taste or smell, sore throat, congestion in your uh, nose or a runny nose, nausea or diarrhea. And as you can imagine, these are common side effects of many of the treatments we use. And so it may be difficult to sort them out. Um, I would say that if, you're, if you get new symptoms and you haven't had recent chemotherapy, this might be more of a cause for concern. And it is important to report any new side effects to your healthcare providers. A new onset fever, if, if your white blood count is not, is not low, may be a sign of the virus, but if your white count is low, it could represent another type of infection. But it's very important to um, uh, stay in close communication with your healthcare team and let them know. Now, if you have more serious side effects, such as a great difficulty breathing or chest pain, or if you have, uh, uh, you're starting to become confused, or your, your color changes and you become more pale, this may be a more urgent need for medical attention and something where you should contact your health care providers, potentially an emergent situation. So it is important to work closely with them and let them know about your side effects so that they can try to sort out what's the side effect of your treatment and what's the side effect potentially of COVID. And it's very important for you to take your uh, medications on schedule in order to get control of your disease. There is data available uh, looking at the at uh, outcomes in patients who get uh, COVID vaccines who have various cancers. And among the factors that are associated with a worse outcome are older patients, patients with kidney disease, or patients who have high risk uh, features of their particular cancer, or patients who have active disease. In other words, patients who have good control of their cancer tend to do better with this. And one underlying principle that is important is it is very important to get a COVID vaccine as soon as it's available. These vaccines are very safe and very effective. 
Most important to remember is they will not cause COVID. The vaccines, the way they're made, cannot cause the disease. And that's very important. The worst thing that can happen is because of the chemotherapy you're getting or because of the underlying immunosuppression of your uh, cancer, you may not get as robust an immune response as a person who doesn't have cancer. But any degree of immunity that you can get with a vaccine will help protect you against severe infection. So it's really, really, really important for you to get your vaccines when you can to prevent these kinds of complications. Um, and your doctor, if you work closely with him and your nurses, and let them know about your side effects, they can adjust your treatment over time. Once you get your cancer under control, they can often reduce the doses of chemotherapy or in some cases eliminate the chemotherapy entirely at that point. But it's really important to stay on your schedule and get your treatments on time. And with that, I'm going to stop and uh, let the next person go ahead. Oh, thank you so much, uh, Dr. Benzinger. That was really outstanding and just a wonderful overview, really, for some of the issues we're going to be talking about in the program, but actually so clearly stated. And I think there will be definitely questions for you during the Q&A. So th thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks. And um, our next speaker is Dr. Michael Morrow. Dr. Morrow is leader of Myeloproliferative Neoplasms Program, member of Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center, Professor Weil Cornell Medicine. And Dr. Morrow will be addressing the following. Um, can I take my medications at any time of the day? Um, the value of time of day consistency in taking pills. Challenges in taking treatment on schedule in the context of COVID-19. Practical tips and opportunities to overcome challenges. Review of resources to remind you to take your pills on schedule. And planning ahead. Lead time in refilling prescriptions, weekends, and special occasions. It's my my uh, great pleasure now to turn this program over to my esteemed colleague, Dr. Morrow. Oh, thank you, Carolyn. And uh, uh, it's a tough act to follow with Dr. Benzinger and, and his great opening comments. Um, welcome, everyone. I hope everyone is safe and uh, um, their, your loved ones and are, are safe as well. This has been a very difficult year. It's a pleasure to continue to work with Cancer Care on delivering some of these important messages, which will sort of weave some elements of um, what's specific about COVID-19 and the pandemic, but really more some basic principles about um, about cancer care and particularly a few challenge questions that Carolyn's um, put to me. And so the first one is um, really about um, thinking broadly about cancer treatments and taking medications at any time of the day. Um, so from the perspective of a clinical scientist, which I, I'll put that hat on, I guess I can say I do that now. Um, there are reasons why we ask people to take medications certain times a day at certain distances apart from each other. And we spend a lot of time thinking about um, being very careful about how things mix and how things um, uh, happen during you know, the course of a day and some medicines that we prescribe. Why? Um, I'll tell the story of, of the disease I look after a lot of, which is a chronic form of leukemia, um, where there's a very good family of targeted drugs um, Gleevec is the sort of granddaddy of drugs and for this diagnosis of CML. And much like other cancer therapies, oral or even some that are not oral or intravenous or, or other, other means of delivery, you know, medicines, when they first study, we look at their, how long they um, last in the body. 
when, what is the peak level uh, in the body? What, what is the, the, the bottom level or trough level, as we say? We're very concerned about um, what may be happening at, uh, you know, when the patient is taken. Have they just eaten? Have they not eaten? Are they sleeping? Are they awake? Um, et cetera. So, so the time of the day, there's a reason for that. Um, it's often a discussion and there's flexibility, but um, you usually want to settle with your doctor or your care team on a, a time of day, which you're going to probably hit the following key points. You're going to have the least interference with um, other medicines or other, other issues. It's going to be the most convenient, the most likely time you remember to take it. One of the biggest problems we have in chronic conditions or chronic leukemia, some of the diseases are going to look after, is it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And taking medications over years' time, that's tough. I'm, I'm a physician, and i got to tell you, you know, I sometimes it's a challenge for me to complete a course of antibiotics, which is seven to ten days long. Forget about taking it for five years. So I understand. Um, so the time of day matters um, because, again, we're looking to find that point of least resistance. And then most importantly, we're also looking at side effects and effects on, on patients. We want to make sure that medicine is going to be delivered the safest and the easiest way for you. Um, why taking it consistently um, time of day? The, the value in taking something consistently at every time of the day is pattern and rhythm. Um, Another story from some of the disease areas I look after is there's a medicine that requires someone to be fasting, um, and it's 12 hours apart. So if you took a, the waking hours of the normal person and said, I need, to take you to I need you to take a medication twice a day and not eat an hour before, an hour after, that's pretty tough. Um, and we come up with some pretty interesting schedules. I have some folks that wake up early in the morning. Uh, they obviously haven't had anything to eat. They take their medicine. They go back to sleep. They're good. They wake up, and that medicine's been delivered and they haven't eaten before, they haven't eaten after because they were sleeping most of that time, And uh, but that's work, and but that requires a schedule and that consistency really works for them. So the, the reason for consistency is sometimes the, the detail of a medication, maybe it needs to be taken 12 hours apart. When you take two medicines, for example, in a day, you're, you know, it's like a, like a camel's hump. You're, you're, you're getting a medicine that's going up in your blood and then you're, you're pushing that level up again a little bit more with another medicine. If you, if you bring them close together, you spread them wide apart, you might that 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 camel's back might look quite different. It might be a huge slope in the middle and 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 short peaks and or very big humps, which could be dangerous because maybe the medicine level is too high. Um, there are um, there are other reasons for um, consistency and taking it uh, uh, at the same time of day um, to really again for the basis of reminding and um, and um, uh, skipping doses. A lot of times I get questions. I'm supposed to take this twice a day. What happens if I forget? Um, to take it now it's later and now you 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 can see where you very quickly in a, in one day if you're taking medicine twice the next day you're going to be piling up on yourself and needing to say what do I do now I'm I'm late for my today's dose and then I'm going to be early and the two doses from the, the dose from today and the dose from tomorrow are going to get squeezed together that's not good either so always ask your physician about what happens if there's the schedule gets thrown off we understand it I I deal with this um, regularly I'm I'm flying overseas I'm in a different time zone I missed it. Um, most often we need to talk it through because oftentimes for me, I'll tell people, don't double up. Just wait till you do to take it. Take your next dose on time. Of course, we don't want to miss doses. That's incredibly important. And um, I'll just share a word on that in a minute. Um, but, um, and, and, well, let me say now, that, you know, the example I'm talking about where people take a chronic medication for leukemia and they take it daily, and this can be mirrored in other cancer therapies. We have a lot of targeted drugs and medicines that are taken over periods of time. We clearly know that adherence or the ability to take a medicine regularly, matching as close as you can to 100% of the dosing, can make a big difference. 
there are studies that literally say in my area that if patients um, or, or folks taking medications, if they miss one in 10 doses, you know, so if they're under 90% um, of where they should be, that can really interfere with their ability to get where they want to go to get into a response, get into remission, get good results. So it, it is very important. So let me turn now in the second half of, of this uh, um, bit of time I have talking about COVID-19. So, so that is clearly um, throwing a big hurdle in people's schedules are not are not normal. Um, people's lives have been up, upturned, people's finances, personal relationships, intercurrent illnesses, family members, Ill. there's so many things getting in the way. So the challenges are greater. And um, in some ways, some people maybe have been less encumbered because maybe they're working from home. Maybe they are less active or less out and about, less things to do, less opportunity to do things. But that doesn't really change the challenges because, again, this has been a difficult uh, year plus for all of us. So what can we do? These rules apply for all circumstances, COVID-19 or not. There are some really simple things. First off is make sure everyone knows what the story is and what the medications are. One of my favorite stories is um, adults with cancer worried about telling their kids and their kids understanding what's going on, why they need to take medication, and um, uh, what does that mean? Some of my favorite stories are children who remind their parents to take their cancer therapy. Um, Nothing's going to motivate you more than a loved one telling you, mom, dad, uh, sis, brother, grandma, grandpa, did you take your medication? I want you, you know, I know it, it seems like you've been doing good, and or, or maybe I know that's going to hopefully help you. So tell your loved ones, make sure they're dialed in so they know what you're needing. Look for resources. Now, this is sort of up to you, but of course, there are so many different ways to get reminders and tips on how to take your medications and overcome the challenges of the schedules and the reminders, but cell phone alarms pillboxes, um, post-it notes, family members, you name it. Um, the first part of the, the 10 minutes they spoke about, the consistency, the schedule, that'll get you in a rhythm. But whatever else you have to do, um, take advantage. Ask your providers. The pharmacy group at my hospital is one of my best colleagues because they help patients answer questions about interfering medicines, side effects, um, how to take it. What if I, for example, want to take a medicine for heartburn? I have a big problem with some of the medicines I give in, in taking heartburn medicines. Let's say you had a heavy meal and you had some heartburn. That could interfere with the absorption of a drug. So knowing how to adjust to those challenges. But the pharmacy group also can help you with reminders, tips, strategies, um, timing, and make your life better. Um, so ask, um, inform family and friends, look for resources, use them. And if you need help, ask. It's only human. Well, I just said I can't take a course of antibiotics sometimes and complete it. So we understand that taking medicines for long periods of time regularly, right on schedule, um, is hard. To be honest with you, when I see folks in the office, I often ask them how how many doses have been missed. T tell me, tell me what, you know, how was this last period of time? I don't say, are you taking your medicines all the time? Because I don't want people to say yes, because I think they want to say yes. But we, I realize that that's human nature. Um, if I could miss a dose, they could too, and we just have to talk about it and figure out a better way forward. So last last comment, planning ahead. Um, the healthcare system is, is obviously under a lot of stress as well. You know, people that, a lot of facilities are understaffed, pharmacies, um, you name it. Um, so, so the same problems we had, the challenge is, you know, filling a prescription prior authorization, meaning getting the medicine authorized, getting it delivered, picking it up, picking it up during the pandemic when limited hours, lines, um, precautions, social distance, um, lead time is key. So just like the reminders to take the medication, it might be good to have people aware that, in, that you're going to need a refill in a month, put it on the calendar. 
put a reminder, um, got to get my prescription refilled, got to talk to the doctor's office about making sure I get a refill. Um, the more lead time we have, the better. Our teams in, in healthcare, um, we are good at it, I think, and very um, willing and able to help with these challenges, meaning getting on the phone for you, finding a solution. Sometimes it's really challenging. Copay assistance programs, insurance plans, um, people whose insurance has lapsed or been lost, God forbid, during the pandemic. Whatever the situation is, please let us know and let us know as quickly as you can because we have solutions and we want to help. Um, and don't be afraid um, if you if you if were a little bit late. Again, human nature. We understand. We're here to help. Um, uh, pharmacies can give you travel supplies, holiday supplies, three-month supplies. I have a young man who just went off into Merchant Marines. He's at sea for three months. We got him six months of medication when we normally can only usually get a month or three months. They understand. So if we ask if you never ask, you, you you can't receive. So ask, and sometimes you know we we shall receive. So I'm going to close here because I want to give time for the rest of the, my colleagues. But there are a lot of different tools that we can use, and the pandemic has been an especially big challenge. But I also want to close with just a parting word to echo Dr. Benzinger's comment that vaccine um, therapy has clearly been a huge advance. We know this is you know uh, there are many decisions individually need to be taken regarding your health the specifics, personal choice, but for the greater good, for the ability to get COVID-19 virus um, reduced in, in, in its ability to persist in the population in the world, literally, one of our best escape routes is going to be a vaccination as broadly as possible, where it's safe, where it's, where it's um, available. I know that's not easy for everyone, but please consider it. Please, if you have the opportunity and, and you're eligible and, you're, and I'm, I'm hoping willing, go for it. Um, it took me about 30 seconds when I got uh, the, the, the message that I could get vaccinated to respond and sign up. I literally could have ran over there to get it. Now I'm a healthcare provider, I'm biased, but I knew what it meant because I, I, I trust science and I trust in the healthcare system. So I'll stop there. Thank you for your attention. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Moore. That was really, really exceptional as well. It's an um, um, excellent presentation and, and uh, covered a lot of issues. And I think um, some of the examples you gave were really helpful in terms of how you can get, um, you know, extensions and things like that for people as long as they ask and let you know. So thank you. I know there'll be questions for you during the Q&A as well. Thank you. And our next speaker is Dr. Elizabeth O'Donnell. Dr. O'Donnell is Director, Lifestyle Clinic, Massachusetts General Hospital, Associate Director, Mass General Cancer Center's Survivorship Program, Assistant Professor of Medicine, Harvard Medical School. And Dr. O'Donnell will be addressing the importance of communicating with your healthcare team about quality of life concerns, the increasing role of telemedicine, telehealth appointments, guidelines to prepare for telehealth, telemedicine appointments, including technology and making your list of questions, communicating with your hematology oncology team about adherence, including your pharmacist, and lifestyle activity and adherence. It's now my great pleasure to turn this program over to my esteemed colleague, Dr. O'Donnell. Good afternoon, and thank you for this wonderful opportunity uh, to join the Cancer Care Call. It's always my great pleasure to participate. Today, I've asked, been asked to cover a number of very interesting topics, some that are of particular um, significance to me. Um, we'll be talking about communication, quality of life, and medication adherence. Quality of life is something that I think is extremely important 
Um, I think that it's something that if cancer affects everybody's life so differently. Uh, and there are so many ways in which quality of life can be affected before, during, and after cancer treatment that I think it's great to give it the opportunity to be discussed today. Part of how to bring quality of life into the conversation with your oncologist um, can be thinking about, you know, what are the opportunities to bring it up? Because it doesn't always come up. And so um, now we're in a kind of new place in medicine where some of our visits are conducted in person, uh, but others are done uh, via telemedicine. And so one of the things that I want to talk about today is really optimizing how you use telemedicine and maybe how that can translate into bringing in discussions of quality of life to better your cancer care. So when you think about telemedicine, I do a lot of telemedicine visits, but it's not quite the same as sitting there with somebody and being able to read their emotions or see how they're walking or, you know, get a sense of, of how they're doing. And so, you know, from the provider side, I'm always looking for those cues. But from a patient side, um, there may be some things that you can do to prepare to optimize those visits. Make a list. You know, depends on how frequently you're seeing your provider. Um, in, in the case of myeloma, we're often seeing our patients uh, quite frequently, weekly, every other week, or monthly. But in that short period of time from when you're seeing, keep a list, whether it be on your phone, and that's a great place because most of us have our phones with us, uh, at all times, so keeping something in the notes tab, uh, just a running list of little things that have come up, whether they be symptoms or thoughts or particularly questions. Uh, because I don't know about you, but very often when I get to that moment where it's my turn to answer questions, I forget. <laughs> and so having that um, that list with you can really help guide it. Um, prescriptions too. One thing we're going to talk about is medication adherence. Part of adherence is just always having the prescriptions you ha need when you need them. Uh, so making sure prior to your visit that you know what prescriptions you need, not only that day, but in the next days to weeks until your next appointment, uh, because it can be harder and can certainly be frustrating and can be a reason why people are less adherent to their medicines if they have to then try and message the office uh, and get a refill. Um, the other thing, too, is uh, the Zoom platform, which is what we use, but I, I'm sure different medical centers uh, have different platforms, do allow other people to attend. So whether that's sitting in the room or sitting in the chair next to you versus joining uh, through the same Zoom link, you can bring other people in um, and they can also offer their questions or their reflections on how you're doing. But any visit with a provider is your opportunity to talk about how you're doing. And quality of life, uh, we know in patients with myeloma can be impaired during treatment. And that's not just in first-line treatment or, or fourth-line treatment. It's across the spectrum. Even things like maintenance um, can impair your quality of life. So having those conversations that can lead to, um, you know, when it comes to medicine, potentially dose alterations or supportive meds that might mitigate symptoms or timing of day when to take medicine so that they don't impair uh, your daytime functionality, if something makes you a little sleepier, um, and really opening it up, I think it leads to a richer relationship uh, with your provider when they really understand you and, and, and what you're going through. And that's not just the medicines, that's your mood, whether you have some anxiety or depression, you're having trouble sleeping, um, feeling fearful about the future, any of those things are really important so that your provider can help provide reassurance and really understand where you're coming from. 
you know, other things that can come into play too can be physical functioning. In a in a physical visit, we can often see if people have unmet needs for physical therapy, uh, but that's a resource that's available. Anything, you know, that might be limiting your physical functioning um, and therefore impairing your quality of life, these are things that are really important for your provider to know so that we can help make them better together with you. And that kind of segues into you know, quality of life and lifestyle and activity um, and how that can really play a role in your cancer treatment. So there's a, a school of medicine called uh, lifestyle medicine, which is really focused on using diet and exercise, um, sleep, emotional um, uh, relationships and, and stressors to, to think about your health uh, from those dimensions. And this is something that can be complementary to your care. Obviously, your uh, cancer therapies are always um, the centerpiece, but supporting your whole self by looking at things within your lifestyle. What are the right foods to be eating? Um, how much exercise would be beneficial? You know, myeloma, everybody has um, different uh, limitations. Uh, some people have no limitations. Um, but in general, the American Cancer Society recommends 30 minutes of moderate intensity exercise at least three to five days per week, five being the goal, plus doing strength exercises. Strength is a little trickier in, in myeloma disease, something you need to talk about with your doctor because of bone lesions. But there are good data that show that doing exercise uh, and moving improves quality of life, improves mood, improves cancer-related fatigue. Um, and, you know, it's been particularly challenging during COVID where many of our patients, um, very importantly, are avoiding um, situations that might put them at risk of infection. And so spending more time at home and more time on Zoom if they're working, more sedentary time. And so even if you're not exercising, trying to think about activities uh, and minimizing uh, sedentary time to keep you active, keep those muscles going. Don't give up doing your housework. Don't let others do that for you. Try and keep those things going. Find ways to move, to stand when you're doing meetings, to stand when you're talking on the phone, move around the house. Um, as the better weather comes, you know, masking up and being outside so you don't have to be in close proximity to anybody but can still get out and walk. Um, these are all tips that will help you um, thrive even in this more limited environment. One of the other tips that I like to give is dancing. Dancing counts as uh, physical activity. So, you know, if you, if you don't have a gym membership and you don't have a Peloton, turn on some music, dance, move around. Um, it's not only good for your physical well-being, it's good for your happiness and emotional well-being um, as well. And, um, you know, one of the other things that can go along with this is just adherence um, to medications. And, you know, I mentioned this, um, you know, in terms of optimizing those virtual visits, um, but, you know, taking your medicines, taking your medicines as prescribed is, is so important uh, for doing well um, during your cancer therapy. And so um, sometimes it's your oncologist, sometimes it's your pharmacist, um, sometimes it's the combination that can be really effective at helping you if you're struggling um, with some of the medications, the way they're dosed, the size of the pill. Um, and so, you know, to get the medicines that you need uh, when they need to be taken is so important that make sure you're having those discussions um, and make sure that you have the resources and know what your options are 
um, so that if something is challenging for you, whether it be a side effect or a pill size or the time of day, you draw upon all the resources that really are at your fingertips to help optimize your cancer care and in so doing, optimize your quality of life. They all kind of fit together. Um, and, you know, treatment for myeloma is layered. You have, you know, the, the visits you have to go to, the medicines you have to take, but there's so many other factors um, that, uh, that affect your cancer care. They don't all have to be taken on at once, but if you can identify pieces of your cancer care, um, you know, that maybe need improvement or you want to focus on or optimize, it's great even just to start with one of those. Maybe that's trying to get out and walk every day. Maybe that's um, eating more vegetables. You know, American Cancer Society recommends that two-thirds of your diet uh, be plant-based. So trying to find ways in addition to um, your cancer therapies to really optimize your wellness, feel good about yourself, um, and get the most out of every day. Um, it has been my great pleasure to join you again today. Um, I wish you all very well. And, and with the good weather coming, I hope everybody enjoys some sunshine and some uh, happiness in the days to come. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. O'Donnell. That was really outstanding and just a wonderful presentation and just a wonderful um, conclusion about just activity and lifestyle and adherence, how important those things are. They all go together. So thank you so much. Thanks. Um, and I know there'll be questions for you during the Q&A as well. And I'm just going to say a few words now about Cancer Care Services. Uh, I'm Carolyn Messner. I'm Director of Education at Cancer Care. And so Cancer Care offers a whole range of comprehensive services nationally. Um, and those services are provided by oncology social workers. And many people call our HOPE line at 1-800-813-4673 or visit our website at www.cancercare.org. And you'll be all getting a survey monkey evaluation at the end of this program. And so you'll be getting all, if any of us mention any websites or resources for you to, um, to access, um, or even if we think of them after the program to include, we will certainly include them. Um, our staff um, offer both uh, practical and financial and co-payment assistance. We know that that's really important at this time, certainly. Um, we also offer um, a chance to, for support to talk with our oncology social workers. Many people call, really, um, we would actually in, um, have 35 oncology social workers on staff. We've actually increased the number during this time just because so many people are calling with so many needs that they're having and um, more, um, you know, practical and uh, support needs. And um, we also offer case management services. So although we have many services, there are many organizations out there that have additional services, and even those right within your community and your healthcare team. So sometimes we will help to connect you to other resources. And we don't just give you a list of places to call, but we actually do connect you to those places virtually. So we're sure you get connected, get the need you have that you require, or that we come up with better solutions for you. So we actually work with you until that issue is solved for you. That's really important. We also offer um, online support groups and, of course, these type of programs and an array of publications as well. So a lot of different services and people access them in different ways. And for international participants, certainly our website is, has quite a bit of information as well. So um, that's a great resource to you as well. Now, before we move on to the Q&A, um, we just have another set of questions we want you to answer just before um, 
the end of the presentations. Um, and again, this will give us a sense of um, the information that you've uh, perhaps gathered during the program or what we still need to provide for you. So it's very helpful to us in planning future programs. So I'm going to start with the next question. As a result of what I learned in this workshop, I have greater confidence in working with the healthcare team to overcome blood cancer treatment side effects in the context of COVID-19. And the next question is, as a result of what I learned in this workshop, I am more knowledgeable about the importance of taking blood cancer treatments on schedule. Again, one is the highest rating and five the lowest rating. And the next question is, as a result of what I learned in this workshop, I am more knowledgeable about the challenges of taking blood cancer treatments on schedule. Again, one is the highest rating and five the lowest rating. Just two more questions. As a result of what I learned in this workshop, I have greater confidence in working with my healthcare team to utilize Practical tips to overcome the challenges of taking blood cancer treatments on schedule. Again, one is the highest rating and five the lowest rating. And the last question is, as a result of what I learned in in this workshop, I have greater confidence in using resource reminders to take blood cancer treatments on schedule. One is the highest rating and five the lowest rating. Okay, well, I want to thank you all for participating in these uh, polling questions, these questions that we have. It really helps us um, to understand what you know coming into the program, what you know coming out of the program, and also um, how to better plan programs to meet your needs. Um, so we, we thank you for that. And now we have time for questions um, and answers, a Q&A. And so I'm going to ask Norma to bring all of our speakers on board. Um, and. Um, and uh, we're going to take as many of your questions as possible. And um, I'm going to ask um, Norma to explain to our participants how to queue up for questions. And Norma, will let the questions begin. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to ask a question, please press star then one on your touchdown telephone. If your question has been answered and you wish to remove yourself from the queue, you may press the pound key. Those of on the web may submit questions by clicking ask a question. So we have a number of online questions, so I'll start with those. Um, and so um, the first question uh, for Dr. Bensinger, do you, do you have um, anything to comment on about long-term toxicities and how they can be reduced? Well, that, that is uh, certainly an excellent question. If you're referring to long-term toxicities of chemotherapy, it's very much dependent on the particular uh, 
type of malignancy and the treatment for it. Uh, I'll give an example. Uh, we frequently use medications in multiple myeloma that have a side effect of neuropathy. One of the uh, most common drugs that causes this is bortezomib, uh, less frequently thalidomide since it's not used very much. But uh, one way to mitigate that is to be proactive. When you first develop symptoms of neuropathy, such as numbness or tingling, before it becomes more severe and before you develop actual pain from neuropathy, this is where it's important to alert your healthcare team to these symptoms because that can be mitigated by adjusting the dosage, reducing the doses, perhaps omitting a dose until the symptoms improve and avoid what is the long-term neuropathy that often can be quite severe and difficult to mitigate once it's developed. So the important message is be proactive with your team. Let them know if you're having new symptoms. Excellent. Thank you. Um, and another question um, for Dr. Morrow. I don't own a smartphone. What are some ways I can set reminders for myself to take my medicine? Well, gosh, um, we don't have to go new school. We can go old school. Um, alarm clocks. <laughs> Good old-fashioned Big Ben alarm clocks. I mean, any anything that um, a timer of any kind, an egg timer, um, a kitchen timer. A, a smartphone is great because it's on your person. You don't want to carry an alarm clock or a kitchen timer in your pocket when you're out uh, out and about. But um, that's why I mentioned maybe um, including those around you that, that are your loved ones, because you know, medicine, life, um, taking medicines, two minds is better than one, or multiple minds is always better than one. So um, if you don't remember, someone else will remember, or especially um, those with vested interests, my favorite, going back to my favorite story of, of um, you know, we don't want to burden the young, but sometimes uh, uh, children have been the best reminders for my adult patients. I'm going to take their medicine. So I'm uh, just going back to a few of those reminders. Um, and, and uh, you, know, you know, talk to your team, talk to your pharmacist. Sometimes there are some, some other um, ideas that they may have or um, other uh, tricks uh, from the pharmacy um, that, that, that can help. Excellent. Thank you. Um, and um, for um, Dr. O'Donnell, do you recommend any pill packaging services? So that's a really interesting question. I don't know if my colleagues on the call have specific ones they recommend. Um, I do not. Um, that's not something um, that we specifically offer through our hospital pharmacy. Um, and maybe some of the other providers on the call can provide that uh, uh, some specific recommendations. Anyone, anyone else what, uh, care to comment on that? Or um, I, I don't. I don't know of a particular service. I know that there are. Uh, they are evolving, and there are some new ones that are being offered. And often they they don't charge any extra for the pill packaging. That is, the cost of your medicine is the same regardless of whether it's packaged or not. But the other old school thing that is helpful are these multiple small uh, pill boxes that are all set together. And if you can lay out your pills in the various boxes and maybe label them with a date and time, that might help remind you about at least the oral medications when you should take them. I, this is my, Dr. Morrow. I, I echo Dr. Benzinger's comment that uh, the, um, the, the modern pill packaging services are great. And I think for people that have a complicated regimen to pharmacies, they can do that at no charge. I think that's terrific. Always, you know, inquire. 
but the the the, the uh, pill pack is the old fashioned version of that. It takes time and and obviously someone who's um, knowledgeable that can put the medications out different times of the day potentially are a little bit of a challenge. But um, you know um, that's a instant feedback. You know if the if the pill pack has been emptied. And as long as the dog didn't eat it or didn't fall on the floor, you're, um, you know, you took your medications. And by golly, I think all of us would say, I don't remember if, if I took my vitamins this morning or my medications or this. Uh, and it's so helpful. You know, it's a very good point. That these are very helpful devices, very practical devices. And um, actually, your pharmacist probably um, can also help you with that, as you know, because that's really something that they. Are able to assist with, um, uh, and um, um, so that that's um, an important thing. And, and sometimes, um, and of course, involving I think the comment of involving family members can be very helpful too for them to be online um, in terms of helping you with uh, remembering did you take you know your medication and. Um, setting up a schedule so everyone's aware of it. Um, I know there have been some of our speakers who've talked about a family who really sets up, like everyone takes turns at calling about it. It, it depends on your comfort level with that, but actually um, some people find that very helpful in terms of having, um, especially if it's a multi-generational family where you have different members of the family call, um, just checking in on you and, and things like that. That can be incredibly supportive for people as well. Um, an interesting question. Um, Oh, I guess for Dr. Um, Dr. Bensinger, um, does adherence reduce healthcare costs? Wow, um, <laughs> I haven't seen. I, I I have to say I haven't read any studies on that, but I would I would expect that it it would almost have to because staying getting your medication is associated uh, staying to a schedule is associated with better outcomes, higher rates of remission, better disease control. And so I would think that that would result in ultimately lower costs ultimately of treatment. But I, I have to say I haven't looked at any specific studies that address that. Caroline, point. This, is, uh, this yeah. is Michael Morrow again. Uh, <clears throat> if I could, I, I'll throw an anecdote in there. So in, in chronic myeloid leukemia, adherence is clearly linked to outcomes with cytogenetic and molecular remissions occurring at the highest rate when 90% adherence is met. So um, that directly translates into the, the, the ability to have a successful cessation of treatment, treatment-free remission, it's called, which is not for everyone but can be accomplished, um, leads to zero medication costs and, and obviously reduce healthcare costs. And that's only achievable when someone has a stable, deep remission which is most likely to be achieved with um, adherence to therapy. So by extension, um, the uh, ad adherence to medication obviously leads to good outcomes, as Dr. Benzinger just um, rightly, rightly mentioned, but could lead to opening doors for next steps in treatment, which could be um, beneficial for patients and society and the healthcare system. Excellent. Thank you. And um, excellent. Um, so help. These are really great questions and uh, really very thoughtful participants here. And uh, and wonderful speakers answering them. Um, uh, another question, um, and this one for Dr. O'Donnell. I'm concerned that constant medication will disrupt my day-to-day -day life. How do I cope with this while adhering to my uh, while adhering to my care team? Yeah, so that's a really real concern, um, just in terms of the timing of medicine, or maybe how they affect things like sleep um, <clears throat> or food digestion. 
Um, so, you know, using a specific example uh, in multiple myeloma, we use a lot of the steroid called dexamethasone. And one of the frequent side effects of that medication is insomnia. And so for that medicine, it's best to take it in the morning with food so it doesn't upset your stomach. Um, that way, when evening comes, uh, you're less likely to feel the kind of activating um, aspects of that medicine. Um, and, you know, trying to look ahead to um, think about the activities that are important to you um, and if there are dosings of medicines that have to occur, um, trying to set those up so that they don't disrupt uh, your day and your time frame. I think if there are medications, though, um, it's, it's very unusual to have to take something three times a day. It's usually twice a day. Um, so thinking about the timing of those with relationship uh, to when you like to eat breakfast or have dinner, uh, if there are restrictions about food around the timing of those medicines, and planning that and talking about it um, with your pharmacist. I know Dr. Morrow had mentioned working closely with pharmacists. Um, that is a really great idea. Um, and if you are encountering difficulties or, or problems that are impairing your quality of life, that is exactly the kind of thing your oncologist wants to hear about. And there may be alternative medications or suggestions uh, that might help you uh, and mitigate the, the suffering associated with, with the medicines you're taking. Excellent. Thank you. Thanks very much. Um, and for Dr. Morrow, um, what if I feel like my medication makes me feel worse or I don't want to take it? If you could comment on that question, an honest sure. question. It's very honest. And, you know, I think sometimes um, I'm going to blame myself. You know, I think as providers, we always have to recognize that sometimes the medication, you know, has its own toll on people and sometimes can even be worse than the diagnosis itself. Um, I, I look, I see that all the time in some of the conditions I take care of. So um, there has to be that constant dialogue about tolerability and side effect management because um, you can't expect someone to just sort of grin and bear it and work through side effects when they, they may not have that reinforcement or the, uh, the exit strategy or the light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak. So if medications are making you feel worse, um, sometimes that may be, part of treatment. There may be some hard parts of treatment um, that are necessary to get to the other side, if you will. Um, but that shouldn't be the automatic answer. So always ask, say, is this normal? I think the healthcare team always regrets when we hear about problems after the fact, um, or God forbid we hear about problems after the fact, which led to someone making a decision on their own where they stopped their medication, and which sometimes we fall off our chair because we, we, we understand that that could be more dangerous and, and put them in harm's way. So ask. Uh, don't expect that that is normal. It could be, and if so, how, what tools can we use to make it to the other side? Um, but don't ever be afraid to ask. And um, we always strive for that balance uh, where it's, it's manageable, it's livable, or it's bearable for whatever the length of time. It has to be tough. That's very helpful. Thank you. That's important, the balance that can and speak to the healthcare team. That's really important. And here's another one um, for Dr. Bensinger. Um, what is a good resource for possible interactions? Can I look online or should I always contact my care team? I'm sorry, I didn't get the question. What is a good resource? Oh, I'm for sorry. What? what is a good resource for possible interactions? Can I look online or should I always contact my healthcare team? I would say that while there is stuff available online, 
I think you're always better off contacting your healthcare team. And uh, certainly at our center, the pharmacist is, is really the best person to discuss drug interactions with because they really keep track of this carefully. Excellent. Thank you. So always contact people who know you is, I guess, what you're saying, that part of the healthcare team is really well, I important. Think, yeah. I think it's a mistake to go online to get this information because there's so much misinformation out there. I'm afraid that it could be, it, it could lead to problems. And I think you're always better off dealing directly with your healthcare team. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you all. And I actually I want to thank our participants for asking such good questions and our speakers for also being there to address the questions. And now I'm going to ask each of the speakers um, in the order that they presented to actually um, provide a takeaway for everybody, a sort of takeaway point from today's uh, program that you um, would like people to leave the program with in terms of just that you feel is important. So if you'd like to go first, Dr. Bensinger. Again, I'm sorry, I didn't quite understand your question. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Um, actually, um, so if you would be able to uh, provide a takeaway point that you'd like um, the participants on the call today uh, to oh. remember, specifically about what you may have yeah. covered or you may have heard other, others cover, um, that's an important well, just takeaway point. I really think that uh, in with today's pandemic, my takeaway point is, if you have the chance to get the vaccine for COVID, you should do so whenever possible. Uh, don't avoid it and don't put it off. Excellent. Excellent advice. Okay, thank you. And uh, Dr. Morrow? Um, some things bear repeating. I'm going to say the same thing, that one of our best ways to get to the other side of what's happening, and we're, we're getting closer as you're hearing, is vaccination. And um, all of us have been in healthcare and in research for many years. We know there are, you know, there is, we, have, we don't have all the information we like, and there's uncertainty, and everyone is trying to make a decision. But I think the tide is in our favor, and I encourage everyone to um, seek and take uh, vaccination against COVID 19. It's going to be our exit strategy, one of the best uh, uh, we can do. And, and then, of course, just a, a quick word on what I was actually speaking about during the conference. In addition, which is that don't feel bad um, and ask for help. We're all human. We're all in the same boat. At the end of the day, we all put our pants on one leg at a time. So we all forget. We all miss. We all need assistance. Um, we're all not perfect. So don't worry. Just ask, and we'll, we'll do it together. Thank you. Thank you. And, um, and Dr. Um, O'Donnell? So I think um, KCOM is understanding that your doctor really does want to hear what's going on with you. Uh, we want what's best for our patients. We want not only to optimize your cancer care, but really to optimize the quality of your life. And so your communication, that line of communication is so important, um, particularly when it comes to medication, adherence and management, um, understanding what you are and are not taking or why you're not taking and how that's affecting you um, is vital. Um, just to both your relationship, but also your overall wellness. <clears throat> Excellent. Thank you. 
Well, thank you all. And I actually um, want to recognize that a lot of you got to ask your questions, but some of you didn't. So for those of you who asked a question or for those of you who didn't get a chance to ask a question or were listening to other people's answers to their questions, I want you to take all the information you've learned today and bring it back to your healthcare team in terms of how it applies to you. And if you have outstanding questions, and even those who asked questions today, please go back and ask your healthcare team those questions. We all recognize that these are particularly challenging times that everyone is living in, and we want you to recognize that there's also a great deal of help out there for you, and it is okay for you to take advantage of all the services that are there. That is really important, um, both from your healthcare team, from nonprofit organizations, um, from community organizations in your community. Um, there's a lot of services out there for you on a lot of different ranges, and we know that people are having financial problems, food and security issues, housing issues, um, work issues, um, transportation issues, and all these things, and there are people there to help you, so just to be aware of that. Again, I want to thank you all for your participation today, and most importantly, I would not want any one of you to leave this call feeling that you're alone. I mean, it is normal to feel alone, and of course, during this pandemic, people feel more alone than ever before, but we also want you to know that you're part of a community of support, and that there are there are, there are phone calls you can make, websites you can visit, um, and or your healthcare team that you can contact when you're in need. So please take advantage of those services. I want to thank you all for your participation today, and I want to wish you all a very fine day. Thank you all. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for your participation. This concludes the workshop. You may now disconnect. Everyone have a